Hello everybody, welcome back to 100 Years 100 Movies. Today we're going to be staying in the 1980s, talking specifically about 1982. 1982 is one of those years that's just stacked with movies. We have the biggest movie that came out that year, which we're not really going to be talking about, which is E.T. the Extraterrestrial by Steven Spielberg. Um, it's E.T. Everyone knows what E.T. is. Um, this was also the year that Blade Runner came out, which at the time wasn't the biggest deal, but has become quite the big deal over the years and is now recognized as a masterpiece. This was also the year that we have Poltergeist, which is one of the most interesting horror movies of the 80s and which was probably ghost directed by Spielberg. Um, you know, apologies to Toby Hooper. We also have Rocky 3, which is my favorite Rocky movie, but we'll, we'll be going more into Rocky. It's also probably the beginning of, of the, the really silly Rockies. Um, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is a very interesting uh, take on, um, like, kind of the John Hughes movie. I mean, it's kind of based more on, on real life than those movies definitely are. And directed by Amy Heckerling and um, written by, uh, by Cameron Crowe. But the movie that I want to spotlight today is one of the best horror movies that, that I've ever seen, one of my favorite horror movies, and one which um, in this particular time period with a pandemic going on and, and especially with people that can be sick and not know it and be spreading um, this illness to other people, that I think is extremely timely. And that's John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, the Thing is just this masterpiece of existential dread wherein um, Kurt Russell and a bunch of other men, because they're all men basically in this movie, that um, I think about it, I, I don't think there's a female, female character at all in, in any of this film, but um, these scientists and, and, and um, army um, personnel are doing research in the Antarctic. They're um, snowed in, basically, and they come across an extraterrestrial that assimilates and copies other people so they don't know who's infected and they can't tell until it's too late and it leads to a lot of distrust um and eventually it kind of uh leads to the destruction of everybody because of that mistrust and that or that lack of trust um the effects the majority i should see of the effects are really nasty, really disgusting, and they, they hold up. They're still as shocking to this day. Um, there are some very obvious, really, <laughs> I think even in 82, they would have been terribly lo terrible looking. Um, and I don't know if um, that was on purpose or not. I'm, I'm assuming there was budgetary restrictions that, that kind of went into that. Um, but just because of, of this dread and this atmosphere that this, this movie creates, where even you don't know um who can be infected as as the movie progresses and and even the end which is so ambiguous that you can it's like a choose your own adventure ending you can basically justify whatever ending you want to come up with at, at the end of this movie um it's great john carpenter is just phenomenal like he always does really really interesting things with his movies and he makes the the most out of the least a lot of times um like most of his movies aren't these huge like blockbusters or they have these huge budgets but he's able to to make to come um 
make things come across in a way where um, it really works. And, and um, in this movie in particular, I think a lot of the creature effects by Rob Bottin um, really help out. The music by Ennio Morricone, who, who we talked about in the context of, um, of Western movies, of Italian Westerns, um, does the score for this and it adds a whole nother layer to it. Um, it just this, it, it's almost um, like Carpenter usually did his own movie, his own music and, and it was always very synthy and um, Ennio Morricone really kind of kept that, that aesthetic of, of synthy music and um, it, it makes it a little otherworldly um, and kind of timeless at the same time, even though it's, it's very eighties and that it's so synthy, but it works for this movie. And the thing is just, it, it's one of those movies where I don't even really want to talk about some of the surprises if you haven't seen it because it really ruins, um, like aside from what I've already said, I mean, just the fact that you don't know who's, um, who's infected and um, the dread that that causes, it, it really adds to the movie, especially if you've never seen it. So if you haven't seen the thing, you know, definitely do yourself a favor, track this movie down, check it out. And after you're done, please don't ask me to explain the ending because, I, you know, I, you can go online and, and look at theories and, and, and even look at some of the stuff that John Carpenter said, but it, it almost works better if you don't know or if, or if you make your, your own ending as to what actually the, um, what happens there at the very end and what it means. Um, this movie is just, it's just great. Um, so definitely, if you haven't seen it, please, please um, check this out. Now, um, I find it interesting that this movie came out being about extraterrestrials the same year that, as I mentioned, E.T. came out, which is like the very um, positive take on, on extraterrestrials. This, this definitely is not. Um, but it, it's almost, um, it, it, to me, the, the, those things are interesting. And, and E.T. is a great movie, don't get me wrong. Like, um, definitely would show the E.T. to my kids instead of The Thing. But we're all adults here. Uh, check out The Thing. So the other movie that I wanted to touch upon today is um, is another horror movie, kind of keeping with my horror aesthetic, and it's probably one of the um, worst movies that came out in '83, but I think a movie that is very interesting in in its failure more than anything, and that's Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Now, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch isn't in and of itself. It, it's it's a fine horror movie. There's nothing ostensibly terrible about it. I mean, there could things have been done better? Definitely. But what really sank this movie, unfortunately, was that Halloween tag. Um, so going back to, um, to John Carpenter, who had directed the first Halloween and written the, the second, um, his whole take on, on Halloween is that he wanted this to be a franchise wherein there was a different install. Each installment would have kind of its own story. So basically, um, even though Michael Myers comes back in Halloween 2, like, that was the end of, of Michael Myers' story, and Halloween 3 was supposed to kind of kick off this idea of now this is a different story that's taking place around uh, around Halloween and on Halloween, and, and the focus would be more so on the holiday instead of Michael Myers. Um, and, and this movie revolves around um, druids and masks that um, kill you <laughs> with uh, pieces of Stonehenge in them. Um, and if you if you check this down, like if there's one one sequence to check out in this movie, you can track it down on YouTube. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but there's there's a sequence wherein they test the mask, and you see this kid's head, like this mask gets stuck to a kid's head, and liquefy and just turn into a whole bunch of bugs. It is disgusting. 
and honestly, if you're gonna go out of your way and you're not the biggest fan of like kind of crappy horror movies, uh, which admittedly I am, but if you're not, just track down that sequence. It also has like this creepy music that um that was part of Halloween, which was always in there, and um at least in Halloween three. Um, interestingly enough, there's also this is one of those those movies that kind of just really breaks continuity if you want to be a nerd about it wherein there's a scene of kids watching the michael myers halloween movie in halloween 3 so within universe um the halloween movies are movies in in the halloween universe and that's weird but um like i said halloween 3 it could have led to this very interesting um series of movies that are revolving more so around a theme and not so much around a character. However, unfortunately, this movie was a massive flop because it's a Halloween movie and there's no Michael Myers, except for that that one sequence where they're literally just watching the first Halloween movie. Um, and people outright just revolted against this movie and, and said no. So I, I think that's, it kind of sucks because um, there's some other later movies that I think um, thematically would have fit into this. Um, some that Carpenter made and and some others that um, other people made, I'm thinking like Trick or Treat in particular, that, that would have really kind of fit into this mold if this had been a series where we're not just following Michael Myers for every other movie besides this one, but, um, you know, kind of following just the, the theme of Halloween. Um, so I, it's one of those where I think it's a very interesting failure. Um, like I said, not necessarily the best movie, definitely not the best nowhere near the the best movie that came out that year but just interesting in 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 what it fails to do thank you for listening and um at this point um as of the last podcast we're one quarter of the way through um through these movies so and we're you know uh kind of chugging along thank you uh for your support and you have a good day